Welcome to Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and trends with law enforcement professionals and personalities from across Canada. Hello, Blue Line, the podcast subscribers. We hope you're doing well and welcome back to another episode of Blue Line, the podcast. I'm Brittany Schroeder, editor of Blue Line magazine. Today, we're joined by Rylan Simpson, an assistant professor in the School of Criminology at Simon Fraser University. Rylan is also one of the judges in our Best Dressed Police Vehicle Contest. The annual contest showcases innovative, sustainable, and effective designs for police vehicle graphics, equipment packages, and installation, and shares those designs with the police community in Canada. Today, we're going to talk about the contest and the importance of policing vehicle designs. Thanks for joining me today, Rylan. Thank you so much for having me. So we're just going to jump right in. And my first question for you is going to be, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Absolutely. So as mentioned, my name is Rylan Simpson. I'm an assistant professor in the School of Criminology at Simon Fraser University, and I study the police. Prior to joining Simon Fraser University, I received my PhD in criminology, law and society at the University of California, Irvine. And it was really during this this PhD phase that I started to develop what will be an interest that I'll talk about today surrounding perceptions of police. I was particularly interested in trying to understand the ways in which appearance and other non-contact factors could impact public perceptions of police officers. Now, given that that will be the focus of much of today's conversation, I'll save some of that research talk for a little later in, in the podcast. But I just always like to set up the stage to really illustrate that this question of appearance is broad, it's important, and it's got a ton of both scholarly and practical implications. In addition to some of the work that I've done in the university setting as part of my research and teaching, I've also been actively tied to the police operations community, having now been a police dispatcher for just over a decade and having spent roughly 1400 hours in police cars across the world having observed police in California, in British Columbia, in London, in Australia, really exposing me to the different kinds of ways in which police go about their practices, and for the purpose of today, the different kinds of police vehicles that agencies can use. And finally, the last point that I'll just raise as part of this introductory section is, of course, that I'm a judge for Canada's Best Dressed Police Vehicle Contest, and so that makes this combination of research and practice particularly relevant to our conversation and one that I'm looking forward to having. Awesome. So if anyone else can tell, Rylan has a ton of experience, um, which is, of course, why he is one of our judges of the contest that Blue Line runs every year. Now, going into more of that research that you touched on, um, do you want to talk about that research on the effects police vehicle aesthetics um, have on people's perception of the police and why they're so important? Certainly. So I just like to start this sort of a question with with first prefixing why it's even important that we care about police vehicle aesthetics, because I think that really lays the foundation for then why we should think about how they might impact perception. And that's in part because most public observations of police occur when police are in their vehicles. Police vehicles offer a number of functional benefits for police, including transportation and storage but they also are a huge perceptual cue of police and one that's very prevalent, one that's very salient for a lot of the public. 
If we think about when the last time each of us had an observation of police, chances are it was when they were in a vehicle, oftentimes on a roadway, at an intersection, or in any kind of a public space. And that then makes them very important to study because we want to understand when the public sees that police vehicle, what kinds of thoughts do they have? What kind of reactions do they have about that vehicle and the occupying officer? Mm-hmm. And so as part of the research that I conducted in this domain, which I encapsulated as part of my project titled the Police Officer Perception Project, what I did was partner with the police department to be able to collect hundreds of photographs of different police officers in different aesthetic capacities, including when occupying different types of police vehicles. I was particularly interested in trying to understand how the very characteristics and aesthetics of vehicles could differentially impact public perceptions of police. So as part of the design, we took three different types of police vehicles and presented them to participants. We had marked vehicles, unmarked vehicles of the same make and model as those marked counterparts, and then a third of civilian vehicles or what otherwise wouldn't be used for traditional frontline practices. Within that marked vehicle category, we then even further subdivided it into looking at the effects of black and white marked police vehicles, as well as a predominantly white colored scheme. And so we took all the officers and we put them in all the different kinds of vehicles, captured their images, and then presented the images to participants under the guise of a memory study, instructing them here that what we were interested in was whether or not making meaningful categorizations of pictures would help them to remember those pictures at a later date. At that point, if they consented, their hand went into an envelope, they blindly picked an occupation that could have been nursing, teaching, policing, or engineering, and of course, always found that it was policing. Now that was rigged. The intent, of course, was always for them to see policing images, but in the study's design, I didn't want to elude that to them, or it could have biased their perceptions in a way that would no longer reflect how everyone listening to the podcast might otherwise see a police vehicle or a police officer, in a quick quick second observational context. So after they were introduced to that study, after they had told that, well, you've picked policing, therefore you'll see policing pictures, they were then presented with a task that presented all the different images of police, including in the different vehicles, and rated them on all kinds of different outcome variables, like whether or not they thought it was approachable, friendly, respectful, accountable, and aggressive. They completed the task, were eventually told that, and of course, the study was not about memory, but actually about policing. And I spent what was hours, weeks, months, and years analyzing that data. Wow. Sort out, did the participants perceive differences between vehicles? And if so, how did that impact perception? And what the results have shown is a couple of key themes. First and foremost, the public tends to prefer police in marked police vehicles than non-marked vehicles. Right. It's obvious that the vehicle that the police officer is occupying is in fact a police car. But there's also some interesting nuance within that distinction, such that the black and white marked vehicles tend to be perceived more favorably than the predominantly white marked vehicles. Okay. Finding that I attribute back to stereotypicality and the obvious nature of a black and white vehicle as being a police vehicle versus its predominantly white counterpart. Mm-hmm. We also find, for example, that the general public really doesn't like the unmarked police vehicles, what sometimes get turned in colloquial language as ghost cars, that these typical vehicles, these these standard vehicle designs that don't include any kind of police identifiers or markings tend to elicit some more negative perceptual effects relative 
to being in an otherwise non-police associated unmarked car, which for the case of the study was the Ford Escape. And finally, the last set of findings that we, we observed if we compared across patrol strategies was that generally speaking, police officers as a whole were perceived less favorably when in any type of vehicle relative to when they were presented on foot or on a bicycle. Right. Some really interesting findings that speak to the importance of, of police vehicles and their designs and really suggest that this is a matter of more than just aesthetic taste. These designs really do implicate in important perceptual judgments that the public make about police. And therefore, we should pay much attention to thinking about how we might be able to enhance perceptions of police through our vehicle designs. And that's about a snapshot of the project in a couple of different minutes. My question based off of that was this past year, we actually in the contest um, had a submission with the Battenberg uh, vehicle design that you'd see more over in Europe. My question is, uh, you know, with your thoughts, what do you think, does that help police or people's perception of police? Does it hinder it? Like, what are your opinions on that kind of design? I'm glad you've raised that. And it's a point that I'll come back to towards the end of the podcast as we talk about what the future of police vehicle designs could potentially look like in our, in our Canadian context. That Battenberg or checker style design is, as you mentioned, uh, frequently employed elsewhere in the world, including in the United Kingdom and, and in parts of Australia, and really seeks to underscore that identifiability component of the right. police vehicle. The intent with that kind of a design is to be seen to be seen frequently from a distance in all kinds of light conditions. And in part that could be attributed to a public perception element of helping to the, the public to feel that the police are present, are visible in their community, as well as from an officer safety perspective, ensuring that when that police officer is, for example, stopped in the roadway, that their vehicle is highly identifiable, highly visible, and therefore hopefully reduce the risk of a collision. But because this kind of a vehicle design is still so novel to a North American context, it will take some time and some research to see how public reactions will unfold, in part because they simply haven't seen it before here. Yeah. Uh, so there will be, a, I would suspect, a transition period of adjustment. But if it elicits these sorts of perceptual cues in other contexts, I would certainly expect that it would be a similar set of findings if it were to be deployed and tested in our own very local context course and if, I'm assuming you would love to study the effects of you know when that design comes over to Canada you would you'd be right there <laughs> absolutely that would be a, the, the sort of cutting edge of, of police vehicle design research because again it is novel but yet exhibits a lot of promise at least theoretically for how it could be used to try and enhance perceptions of police as well as various other important outcomes of course yeah um, so now looking more at our own contest that uh, you and I run with Dave Brown as well. Um, when you're looking at the submission packages for this contest, what are you really looking for? So I think this is a great segue from, from that last comment that I raised because one of my first and foremost criteria that I use when assessing this, this vehicle context is the identifiability of the vehicle as a police vehicle. Right. Going back to that conversation I raised earlier, the intent in most instances with police vehicles, particularly those that are marked, is to be seen so that the public recognizes that that vehicle is a police vehicle, 
that the public sees that the police are present in order to really accomplish the goal then of what is so much preventative patrol. And so when I'm looking at these submissions, I, I wanna be able to confirm, to ensure, to be confident that the public would recognize the design to be associated with police. And we've seen how this can interplay in some of the, the research that I've already discussed today, as well as in some of the conversations about the Battenberg and other types of approaches. So that's the first criteria I really look, really look for. The second thing I look for, of course, is a design that's aesthetically pleasing, a design that features complementary colors, mm -hmm. lines, directionality. As I said before, perception is an important component in police vehicle design, but so is functionality. And in this respect, directionality, as one case, helps to ensure the safety of the officer in the vehicle, as well as the public and other motorist safety who might have to navigate around that vehicle if it's obstructing traffic or presented in any other kind of a high-risk situation. So I think it's the combination of those two that really scores the prize for me. A vehicle that's bold, that identifies as police, that communicates its police and its transparency, and simultaneously is eye-catching, looks good. It appears to have been designed with consideration of a lot of the color wheel elements we talk about in other fields of research and therefore is more than just a talking point, but also an important piece of police equipment that helps achieve the police goal. Of course. And going back to just thinking about the research you've done and also the winner that was selected for this year um, from Saanich Police Department, uh, they featured a navy blue and white design. Um, what did you think about that? Because I think we actually got a few submissions in the past year with the navy blue design. What did you think when you saw those, you know, as they branched away from the black and white design? So it's an interesting twist on what is otherwise the more standard or traditional black and white mark design that we've seen in, in many parts of the United States as well as in, in, in Canada. And I think the, the sort of underlying principle of the, the color distinction and contrast between the dark front and rear and white side doors is really helpful for identifiability. One of the big challenges when we think about vehicle designs is distinguishing police from elements like private security, city vehicles, and other kinds of vehicles that are marked for commercial purposes. One thing that's unique about that color contrast, whether it be black or that navy blue color we saw in this year's winner, is that it's very unique to policing. One could assume with some level of certainty that when a vehicle is marked in that kind of a color scheme, it's likely police. Right. Same observation can't be said for many of the other vehicle designs that either employ largely white color schemes, completely different solid color schemes altogether, and are ones that blur the line between what has traditionally been associated with police and what they're now dressing their police vehicles with. That makes sense. And like we talked about with Battenberg and kind of your hopes for the future. Um, what else are you hoping for, for police vehicles of the future, you know, besides possibly this new design? So I think the, the opportunities, of course, are, are endless and, and we continue to see the boundaries be pushed on, on what a police vehicle can look like, including through some of the specialty category submissions uh, for this very blue line contest. And so I think that the opportunities are endless, um, but in terms of the real core marked police vehicle function, 
I think we do have to remain mindful of the intent and goal of the vehicle, which is identifiability, recognizability to be seen. And so we're, we're, we're a little limited in, in where I think that particular category could go in the current context. Mm -hmm. But introducing the, the Battenberg or checkered style design, I think could exhibit promise uh, once the public adjusts to that new recognition of checkered equals police, police equals help um, as sort of a very simplified condensed version of that mechanism. And so I think we're gonna see more of that design make its way into, into the Canadian context. And that's probably where, where I, I would envision the future going. But as long as the vehicle can still score high on those, those key criteria, uh, the actual way in which it's presented aesthetically could, could vary and, and, and is open to, to interpretation of those in charge of designing vehicles. Well, I think I can speak for the both of us that we're very excited to see what comes through this year. I've, I've seen a couple of police agencies so far on social media that have like shown off their, their new vehicle designs, their new models. And I'm, I'm really hoping all of them want to submit because it's, it looks really exciting out there. <laughs> Everyone's trying something new. It's always fun to get to open the submissions and to really see the wide range of designs submitted. And importantly too, the philosophy and rationale behind the decisions yeah. made about vehicle designs giving us as judges insight into why you made the decision you made about each individual element of the car can be really enlightening and informative. And so I too look very forward to seeing the submissions. Awesome. Well, Rylan, thank you so much for joining me today and for, for speaking about not only the contest, but your research and your expertise on this matter. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for continuing to invite me to judge for the competition. And thank you to all the police for the submissions and for making this such a, a fun, engaging and rewarding process to be a part of. It's a real honor. Awesome. I love to hear that. To our listeners, uh, this is your reminder that our Blue Line contest is accepting submissions as of now, and we will accept them until October 7th of this year. Winners of this contest are also featured on the cover of our February, March issue, which will come around next year. We hope that you all enjoyed this episode of Blue Line, the podcast. You can check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also stay up to date on all of your policing news at blueline.ca. Until next time, stay safe and be well. Bye, Rylan. Bye. Thank you for joining Blue Line, the podcast hosted by Blue Line, Canada's only independent national magazine for law enforcement. Mm -hmm.